What is up, everybody? Happy, happy Friday to you. Hope that you guys have had an outstanding week and are ready for a great, great weekend ahead. Uh, right off the top, we got a super chat from Aaron, my man Aaron in Australia. Thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate it. He says, love you, Mike. Going with the wife tomorrow to Prison Island trip off Morton Bay. So we'll miss the fight. But prediction 115-113 Bivol with controversy. Oh, man. Controversy. We all love that, right? You can't have boxing without controversy. Hey, man, that's that's um an interesting pick. You know, look, the, the betting favorites is Dimitri Bivol. But um, interesting that you add the word to controversy there. Because a lot of people think that um, if they're picking Zerto, they're picking Zerto controversially. So who knows what we're going to get. But I got to tell you guys. Um, I'm looking forward to this fight, man. <clears throat> By the way, uh, phones are open. I will go as long as I can today. If you want to get in on the phones, call in now. No need to wait. Just jump on in. But uh, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm very, very tired. Um, my sister, Jennifer, was here helping out with the baby. She just took off this morning, drove uh, north, uh, went back home. And uh, so thank you, Jen, for, for helping out. And uh, so now my wife, Tiffany, and I, we got little Jackie uh, all weekend, our first weekend alone with her. So that's going to be fun. But um, I made myself do road work today while Jackie was sleeping. While the baby was asleep for a little while, uh, you know, the wife, of course, stayed and watched her. But I went out and did 5K. It's the third time I've run in seven days. I've made myself get out and do that. Other than that, I've pretty much just been in the house, you know, so um, maybe that's why I'm extra exhausted, but felt good. Anyway, I am super duper duper looking forward to this fight tomorrow. Um, and what do I always talk about in this show, guys, on this channel? I talk about having a build, fights with a build, promotions with a build, and this fight has it. Uh, I should bring up this poll that I have here on Twitter, if you haven't voted on this, get on in on this uh, vote here. And I just uh, tweeted, okay, get on the record. How does the main event tomorrow night in Abu Dhabi play out? And right now, 70, almost 71% of you got Bivol points, which is uh, right around what I'm seeing on my timeline. I feel like this was almost seen as like this 50-50 fight before, but it, it seems to me as we're getting closer to the fight, more and more people are, are siding with Bivol, but even the people picking Bivol, they're picking close, like Aaron did, 115-113, acknowledging that this is going to be a major challenge. I should mention both guys weighed in today, made weight, no, no controversy or anything, but we all know that Zerto Ramirez is going to blow up in weight. He's going to gain a ton of weight over the next 24 hours, and he's basically going to be a cruiserweight tomorrow, might even be a bridgerweight in the ring tomorrow night. So that will be interesting for Bivol. He's facing a guy that's a completely different body type and fighting style than Canelo Alvarez, the man that he faced and beat earlier this year. But back to my build thing, okay? The reason why this fight is such a great build, I mean, first of all, you have the obvious, right? Two undefeated fighters. Everybody now loves that. The, you know, the O has got to go. You love it when two undefeated guys fight each other. It doesn't always happen in boxing these days. But you have, what, 60-plus fights between the two of these, these men? Undefeated. Uh, Bivol, of course, longtime title holder. 
at 175. He's held that title for a while. And Zerdo, of course, when he was at 168, he was a massive super middleweight. He's a super huge light heavyweight now, but he held a title there at 168. So he's a longtime title holder himself. The resume isn't all that sparkly and shiny with big names, but it's impressive, you know, 40 plus wins. And again, when you when you add these guys' records up, the titles, the title defenses, everything <clears throat> checks a lot of boxes, right? Promotionally. But here's the thing in terms of the build I talk about. If Bivol wins this fight and wins it big, he's my runaway favorite for fighter of the year. If you look at what he did against Canelo earlier in, in the spring, if he actually beats Zerto and defeats him decisively, no controversy, right? Clearly beats him, even if it's close, as long as it's decisive. I think he's fighter of the year. I don't I don't see how you could touch that, particularly given the fact that he's a Russian fighter, a Moldovan Korean Russian, I should say. And he, you know, trains in Los Angeles, but I mean, the guy lives in St. Petersburg. Uh, that's I believe it's St. Petersburg, um, at least half the year, right? He, he goes back and forth between there and LA. Um, but at least he was based there for the most part for a lot for most of his career. Anyway, fights in Vegas. And then he's about to fight in Abu Dhabi tomorrow. So he's stamping that passport, right? He's willing to stamp the passport. We don't see that from a lot of fighters, particularly American fighters. And if he wins this fight again, fighter of the year, but here's the thing. It's more than that. He's made it very, very clear. Dimitra Bivol has, uh, he said it right here on this channel. Go back and watch the video. He told me himself, he wants Artur Baturbiev next. Should he beat Zerto? He doesn't want to do a rematch with Canelo, and I don't blame him. Nobody really wants to see that. He's just going to beat him again. It might be a little closer, but he's going to beat him again. I don't see how it's going to look any different than what we got with uh, Haney Cambosos, that rematch. There was a few different looks up front from Cambosos, but Haney pretty much dominated that fight. I think it'd be similar, obviously not in terms of styles and everything. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to compare the fighters in terms of their accomplishments, nothing like that. I'm just saying in terms of the dominance, right? So, Bivol wins, 2022 Fighter of the Year, barring some sort of political uh, blacklisting, which could happen with certain um, media outlets here in America that you know don't want to vote for him for political reasons. But barring that, he would be Fighter of the Year. Then next year, he fights for the undisputed light heavyweight championship of the world. And in the four-belt era, I don't know if we've had one. Maybe, maybe Roy Jones. I, I can't remember off the top of my head if he also had the WBO. One of you guys will have to help me. My brain is fried right now, and I just can't remember if it was super middleweight or light heavyweight where, where Roy had all the belts and cleaned everything out. Please help me in the chat. But even if Roy did do that, it's been a while, right? It, it's been a while. So, so to have that accomplishment um, early next year, next spring, to have that fight to look forward to, that's the build I'm talking about, right? We, we get that showdown between Baturbiev and Bivol. After and, and Bivol would come into that fight as fighter of the year, defending fighter of the year, and Baturbiev will come into that fight having three of the four belts, all the hardware, being rated the number one light heavyweight in the world. Winner of that fight is a top five pound for pound fighter. Now, if Bivol, I'm sorry, <laughs> if Zerto wins, if Ramirez wins, he destroys all that, right? He blows that whole plan up, which is glorious. Anytime an underdog wins, that's amazing because it just blows up the whole plan. But also more than that, it legitimizes Zerto. 
Because as I mentioned earlier, he, he's got this nice, sparkly, shiny record that, oh, and everything, but he hasn't really faced elite opposition. He hasn't, right? He doesn't have the names Bivol has. So if he beats Dimitri Bivol, coming off a win over the guy that was at the time the top pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the sport, Canelo Alvarez, and the top superstar in the sport, really the only superstar outside of Anthony Joshua, and if we're being honest, I wouldn't call Anthony Joshua a global superstar. The only global superstar right now is Canelo. So Bivol coming off that win, if Zerto beats him, boom, suddenly he's legitimized. All the criticism that he's gotten about his resume, he fixes it with that W. Then perhaps he would want to do an undisputed fight with Arta Baturbiev. Then you have a fight that sells in North America because you have a Mexican fighter against a Russian Canadian, a Canadian based Russian. You could actually do that fight in New York, you could do it in Vegas. You'd have options there. Um, with Bivol and Baturbiev, it's a big fight for diehard boxing fans, but commercially, I don't know. I mean, up in like Montreal, that's a massive fight. Don't get me wrong. If, if Bivol would be willing to go up to Montreal, that's a massive fight up there, sure. But I'm just saying, I think the the excitement with casual fans, should Zerto become a light heavyweight title holder and do uh, an undisputed fight with Baturbiev, I think that would be uh, even more marketable just in terms of demographics, guys. It's simple demographics, right? And the sport and the marketing of it is all about demographics. So there's a build either way there, you know? And I love fights like that where you, where you have not only a storyline coming in, but you have a potential build to bigger business that casual fans can tune into. And the media, we have something to talk about <laughs> regardless whatever happens tomorrow we're going to have stuff to talk about like the implications of what happens tomorrow i can talk about that in the months to come whether it means we're going to get an undisputed fight with baturbiev or something like that right i'll have something to discuss other than stupid negotiations on twitter and all the race baiting troll assholes out there like other than just trolling and talking about that crap we'll have something substantive to talk about that for me as like a boxing diehard fan and purist, but also a guy who dabbles in the media. That's what I love the most is having some sort of storyline, some build to talk about with you guys. So anyway, um, I got, let's see, I shared my uh, poll here. Let's jump to some calls. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything in the chat. You guys, by the way, smash that like button, man, smash it. If you're listening, you need to hit that like button. All right, let's go. Uh, we looks like we got Thad on the phone. Let's see how he's betting this tomorrow because I know a lot of you guys are curious about that. Plus, look, there's some interesting fights on the undercard. There's other fights this weekend, too, that we could talk about. All right, let's bring him up. Dad, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, yo, Mike. Glad to be back on. I, uh, yeah, say congratulations again. and uh, Thank you. We'll move forward here with boxing, get down to business. What a weekend on the zone. This is a fight that's pay-per-view worthy. Okay. And we're getting it for free. Yeah. So let's just put it that way. And not only that, the undercard stacked. Yes. And, and let me just start with the, uh, the main event. And I see this as a, a an overlay in, in the line because it, it, Bill is four to one, three, three to four to one favorite, which I think is too great. I think that's a carryover effect from the Canelo fight which he overwhelmed Canelo and he beat him 
so bad. He could have finished Canelo if he really pressed the gas. But I think against Zerto, he's this this style is not good for him. Zerto's bigger. He's a volume puncher. He he uh, pulls back, which is dangerous, but he does it in a slick way, and he'll hit you with an uppercut when you're coming in. And he's a lefty, and 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 for Bivol, that that's going to create some problems. And I think a lot of people are overlooking this fight in terms of difficulty. And let me just say, if Bivol wins this fight, then he's top three pound for pound in the world, no question, hmm. no question. He's underrated to begin with, but if he beats this guy tomorrow, then he's top three. And you could take out <laughs> Spence and Crawford because they are charlatans. They're good fighters, but they haven't fought anybody, not even on the level of Zerto, because Zerto's in his prime. They haven't beaten a prime top fighter. And Zerto right now is, at worst, the third best light heavyweight. So people need to digest that before we move on. And I, I wouldn't put it past the draw. Mm. On this on this fight, a draw would screw everything up. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean it's going to be it, it's going to be a majority decision, split decision, draw. Either way, this is a tough fight stylistically, and, and just two guys at the top of their game in their prime. Mike, when do we see two top guys fight each other in their prime? Right. When? Right. It doesn't happen. Don't. It doesn't happen. No, and we have it tomorrow. And not only that, we have. Chantel Cameron versus McCaskill, which is probably the most underrated female fight I agree. of the year. I agree. Undisputed welterweight champion against a champion of 140. And with women, it doesn't matter what weight it is, to be quite honest. Anything under 154, they're all kind of under the same umbrella. You know, you're not cutting muscle when you're a woman. You're cutting fat. Women have like 20% body fat. It's not like a man where the average is like 10%. Right. It's like, you know... So it's, they're not drained. And so that's not going to come into play. Cameron's actually the bigger fighter, but she fights at a smaller weight class. Go figure. That's an overlay, I think, because um, I think Cameron is unproven. She has probably more potential, but she's a favorite. She's two to one. Cameron's I, the favorite? I, I see McCaskill. Chantel Cameron's the favorite. That's interesting to me. It, it is very interesting. I don't have an answer for you why. Huh. I, I would like some people to, to talk if they know more because I watch both fighters. I, I've done a lot of research the last couple of weeks I've been off. And I tell you, yeah, McCaskill's a pit bull. And, you know, she doesn't have like one punch power. Not No women today really do. So, you know, it's going to be a, a, a close fight that could be a decision win for McCaskill or a draw. I also see a draw in this fight. Like it, it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's 11 to one on the betting line, which is very favorable, you know, to a draw happening. Normally it's like 20 to one. So that's another fight that's like razor close. <clears throat> and then you have rock come off against, um, Zelfa Barrett, Zelfa Barrett. He, he pulled out of, I think the, the zoo fight last minute. I remember about a year ago or a year and a half ago and left everyone hanging a guy with that kind of character. You know, I, I just don't, I think Rockamon is a, a sure winner in this fight. He, Rock, um, he fought uh, Jojo Diaz. Jojo Diaz came in overweight for the right. fight, gave up his title on the scales, and they end up fighting to a draw. So basically, he got screwed twice. I think he won the fight against Jojo, and I, he got screwed on the weight. 
which we're seeing, let me explain that later. We're seeing that a lot nowadays, Mike. That's something that down the line, Haney and Lomachenko, Lomachenko people better look at that model that uh, Shakur Stevenson used to give up his title and come in two pounds heavier because it happened with Salido early on in Lomachenko's career. These guys are now giving up their belts knowing they're going to move up and then getting that advantage and fighting with that advantage. Haney, I could see doing that with Lomachenko. So that down the line, if you're betting that fight, if you're betting Lomachenko, I wouldn't bet that fight until the weigh-in and, and make sure Haney weighs in at 135. Because if you're betting before then and he comes in at 138 and Loma's like, screw it, I'm going to fight him anyway, that's a huge disadvantage. Which he'll so do. Be he'll careful. He'll fight him. <clears throat> he's already yeah. shown he'll do yeah, that. Yeah, he's that kind of guy. Yeah. He's, he's crazy with that. But his people better have learned their lesson with Salido before. They have. And, they uh, have. <clears throat> he's not going to fight said, Haney like, hey, unless Haney's on weight. I, I really think – but we got plenty of time to discuss that, man. <laughs> we got plenty right, of time we to will. discuss that. And and again, Mike, uh, this uh, last week I thought the best bet was uh, Zapata. He was like uh, a little over two to one over JoJo, who I thought is just overrated, especially as a lightweight. He's really a featherweight, and um, with that size disparity, you know that was that was a gimme. That was easy money. I wish uh, you had the show, but of course you had better things to do, <laughs> you know? And uh, unfortunately this weekend, we don't see a, a gimme fight like that. But if you're betting the, yeah. the over under or the uh, for it to go to decision in the Chantel Cameron and McCaskill fight is like minus 800 <laughs> women's fights. They always go the distance unless some, you know, calamity happens where, you know, someone quits on their stool by accident. It, have, you, it, have you? Can I ask you that? Have you looked at the Showtime card at all? Mm -hmm. uh, David Morrell versus Idos. Oh, your boss, yes. How, yes, I have. How you been that? I love that fight. Okay. And Mike, uh, I know you, you talked about it on Monday. I think you sold uh, your boss Anuli short. Okay. But um, so watching, you know, his fights and uh, his career. Yeah, his he doesn't have a lot of names. He has one name that was it's common among both. Lennox Clark, I think his name is. Um, he ended up knocking him out. That was, you know, uh, Morel was one of his first fights. It was his toughest fight, actually. And he's a better fighter than given credit for. Nobody wanted to fight this guy. And it's a mandatory fight. So this isn't a hand pick or cherry pick. Okay. Uh, Morel's a big favorite. He's 10 to 1. Go ahead. What were we going to say? No, no, I'm saying, okay, I, I I didn't know that. So thank you for educating yeah. me. Because, yeah, admittedly, I don't know much about oh. him. I just looked at that resume and I'm like, yeah. Oh, I'm Right on paper, it's just it's very misleading because yeah, on paper it, it says well this guy's resume is shit. You know, in the amateurs, he came up uh, again in the Eastern European zone where it's like Cuba. You know, they fought the best amongst their own. Like these guys are so far advanced, you might not recognize the names. A lot of these guys don't turn pro, but they're great fighters in the amateur circuit, and they fought all over. So he has that experience. He has that skill base. He's he's a tiger. He's he's strong. He's tough comes forward now with that being said it's a it's a harder fight than on paper like i said morel's 10 to 1 it should be probably 3 to 1 okay. on paper but but i think morel wins i think morel wins by knockout because when you fight a guy that you're scared of that's coming to win you have to be on your best and you fight like you end up scrapping the boxing and you end up having the fight and i think when it comes to having a fight 
Morrell is better. He has a little bit better power. He has a little bit better sturdier chin, a little bit in, better in the skill set. And Yabasanuli is going to test him. And I think Morrell is going to pass that test. I think he's, he's a better fighter than what we give him credit for. And if you're looking to bet that fight, he's minus 150 by knockout. Okay, so if you're going to bet him straight up, he's like minus 1,000, which is you can't lay those odds with this fight. It's too close. But if you take him by knockout, you're, you know, 150 to 100. I think that's a reasonable bet. Because, like I said before, I don't think it's going to be a chess match. I think Yabasanuli is going to come in there and just rock his world early. And he's going to force Morel to fight to his potential. And he's going to have to fight him off. I, I really like him by, by, by stoppage. Maybe by the round eight or nine. Okay. So, if you're looking at that fight, I mean, this is a great fight weekend, man. We have yeah, we got fight. some. Like, Finally, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these fights, man. I like... I haven't looked forward to fights like this for a while. So it, it's going to be nice to just sit yeah. on my couch and I'll probably have my daughter in my left hand and a bottle in the right hand watching these fights. Lucky you. Yeah. Man, that's so, the way, man. You're going to, you're going to live it up. Yeah, man. Cause it's going to be, like I said, a, a bang out weekend. We might see three or four fights that are like nip and tuck all the way. We might see one or two draws. So if you're betting, take, take odds on a draw with the Bivol fight, take odds on a draw with the uh, Chantel Cameron fight. Um, you know, it's it's like these these fights are so close, and on paper you're you know you have a lot of misconception with the lines, the betting lines. So if you're doing your homework, you can make some money. Um, there's some other fights too. Uh, Kasabutsky, I believe, you know, the heavyweight. I think he knocks the guy out. I think he's minus six hundred to do that. So there's great parlay op- opportunities. But um, in closing, Mike, I just want to say that uh, I'm glad it finally took someone. Like, like Crawford, you know, to kind of out Al Heyman and get some of his fans, you know, to look at exactly who's been holding up all these fights for the last 10 years in boxing. I knew it as soon as um, Kovalev and Adonis Stevenson didn't happen. You know, I recognized what the situation was with Al Heyman. He's been blocking fights his entire career. He's not a boxing guy. He's a, he's a businessman and he's a crooked businessman. And we're seeing that play out right now. So people, you know, you brought it upon yourselves with Al Heyman trying to support him. He came into boxing with his huge war chest, trying to, to play UFC and taking over the sport. He wanted to brand it his own. He wanted to overpay fighters so they come to his brand like UFC and, and have like a league, a league of their own. And it backfired. He blew the money and overpaid fighters. Now, you think that's a good thing. Well, they got their money, but it's bad for the sport. Because now you can't get the big fights because you have the entitlement complex. Spence believes he's worth $25 million. Crawford believes he's tw- worth $25 million. No. No. They're basing that off of what they've been given. They weren't, it wasn't a free market. It was a bubble, like in the stock market. Okay? If you're putting in funny money, it's not the free market that's dictating that. And eventually that, that bubble bursts. Well, I got news for you. The bubble just burst. Neither guy's worth that much money. In, the, in a pot that maybe on pay-per-view nowadays can do about 350 uh, pay-per-view buys. We just saw the Wilder fight, 77,000 buys. Come on. So now we can't get that fight because Al Heyman and other um, promoters trying to play catch up with him. Okay. They overpaid for fights that nobody wanted to see. The fighters believe that they're worth more than what the market dictates. And now they won't fight the big fights because they believe they're worth more. And they believe that they can go back to fighting nobodies for 
X amount of dollars when in reality that market doesn't exist anymore because free money doesn't exist anymore unless this uh, new apparatus that's coming out with Crawford it starts the whole process all over again, like a new PBC, yeah, which we'll would see. be bad for the sport. If they're going to pay Crawford ten million to fight Avenizian, we don't want to see that fight. But it's just going to attract the same kind of garbage that we've been having to deal with in the in, the, in American boxing, not world boxing, American boxing, specific to certain fighters who don't want to make the fights. So I'll leave you with that, Mike. If you want to comment, but. You know, this is this is a tough situation right now in boxing, but I'm glad Crawford brought light to it with Heyman because it took that for, for those people on that side of the street to see the reality that they've been ignoring for so long. So with that, Mike, I'll, I'll let you go and right, uh, enjoy the boxing weekend. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good weekend, brother. Thank you. <clears throat> you too. I got real quick some super chats, and then I'll, I'll get to some of the stuff that I talked about, and we'll get to some more of your calls. Um, Sam with a super chat. Thank you, Sam. He says Zerto beats Je or Zerto barely beat Jesse Hart twice. Bivol by easy decision or late stoppage. He is just a better fighter. Period. And then WTF is McCaskill a dog for? And he's um, uh, regarding Thad's comments that McCaskill's a dog. Listen, I've been to a lot of McCaskill's fights. I've I've hung out with her and her trainer a lot uh, when I'm up there in Chicago. Great people, wonderful human beings. She trains hard. She is a dog in the gym and in the ring. She's a she's a monster, man. Um, not the most skilled boxer out there. Definitely not. But she brings it. And um, she'll bring it tomorrow. That's going to be a fun fight, guys. That that female fight. Uh, I'm with that on that one. Going to bring it. Sam with another super chat. And he says, uh, thanks again, Sam. He says, draws in the UK are rare. Goofy scoring, even rounds. That's a good point. Um When's the last controversial draw we've seen in the UK in a big UK fight? <clears throat> For me, I, I think we get a lot of a lot more controversial draws in America, especially in Vegas, and especially with some of these um, just bigger fights uh, that are on pay per view and stuff. We see draws sometimes. Uh, there's a few that I can point to in recent years. Papa Chubby with the super chat. Thank you. He says, love an afternoon fight. Looking forward to Bivol versus Zerto. Yes, sir. In fact, I should mention, guys, the um, the ring walks for the main event should be right after 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. It'll be somewhere like around 5, 5.15 is when they're scheduled to do ring walks. That's that's Eastern time, okay? So for you guys on the West Coast, it's going to be like 2 p.m. So um, I love that. I love that. You know, we have a really interesting uh, main event and then fun undercard, too. But especially the main event um, earlier in the day, uh, that's going to be great. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Oh, we got some sex chat stuff here in the chat. My private photo here. All right, let me block this person. <laughs> Does anyone ever click that shit? I mean, come on, man. All right, let's go to the UK. And I will talk about fad stuff in just a second. But let's go to 782 in the UK. You're on the show. What's up? What's Pat? How you doing? You good? I'm doing good. How you doing, Pat? Congratulations on fatherhood. Sort of, sort of pictures you put up on Facebook. Good on you, man. I'm proud of you. Thank you so um, much. Thank a, you. Oh, you're welcome, man. Oh, it's, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Um, the gentleman there, he, he knows his stuff every week, that guy. You know, he really, really does. The, there's a few issues with the Crawford Spence fight. Both and 
amazingly skilled, as we know. I think more as time goes on, that if that fight never happened, not change boxing. I mean, okay, right, from a from a, a technical standpoint, it is this generation's Mayweather Packer, right? Guys both had public profile. Down the street, there are Britain and say to 50 people, hey, do you know it's Crawford, but but Crawford, Earl Spence, and a lot of them know those two guys, Michael. Yeah. A lot of them probably go out and say, yeah, well, you know, yeah, they're, I'm not taking anything away from them. They're amazing fighters. Right. I mean, Bud Crawford in Glasgow, didn't he, when he beat Ricky Burns? Do you know what I mean? It was a packed out house. Kind of money that they're talking about. The public profile. That kind of money. I mean, if you look, if you look at the, the, uh, Mayweather Manny Pacquiao fight. After uh, Manny Pacquiao knocked out my boy Ricky Hatton, way that going to be ordered into fighting each other. It's like, right, well, Floyd, you you took ten rounds to get rid of him. Manny, you got him out of there in two. You have to fight now. Mm-hmm. Based on that one guy alone. Um, so that was that uh, with that. The Ramirez Bivol fight, uh, I agree with uh, Sal. That's a way, way closer fight than people are making that out to be. I think it's I think it'll go to distance and scrappy. And you know, you're not old saying, Michael, don't get high off your own supply. Yeah. Well, what they're talking about with the Canelo win. Okay, yeah, he beat Canelo on these. Great fight, point. Great point. Man, Canelo, Canelo, Canelo is one sixty, one sixty eight at a. Ramirez, who his problem is, is that he's flown under the radar a lot, hasn't he? He didn't fight George Groves or James DeGale because they were both told, hey, now, and if he does, fight them guys now before they get really good. But I think Gale and Groves were both world champs or around about that time. They were too busy trying to fight each other. Mm-hmm. Happen and then Zerudo went off and fought Abraham, didn't he? And he beat him for the WBO. He's well in that fight tomorrow and he could win. I don't know if he will, um, but we're, you know, there's suddenly a lot, there's a lot of haters out there, Michael. But as soon as Canelo lost Bivol, they suddenly acted like, oh, I've followed Bivol's career the whole time and, and he's amazing. Yeah, he's a very good fighter. Fought better BF. Him, yeah, I think better BF would beat him. Talks about fighting better BF, but they never fight him. Alex said for years, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arthur, fuck that guy. I'll fight him. Did he? No, was that? I didn't know if that was a rhetorical question or, or a literal question, but obviously I'm no. Okay, they haven't you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Well, but, but do you not think? Do you not think there's a part of that, though, Michael? Well, I think it was very complicated. It's not. It's not a hundred percent on Bevel. Um, I've known Bevel for years. I, I wrote. I think the first article I wrote about him. I can't remember the year, man, but it was. It was in you, ring. It was in the actual magazine. That. But I've I've followed him for years, and I've been to several of his fights in multiple cities, actually. And um, 
I I think Bivol was under the radar for a while with a lot of fans, and he just hit yeah, the radar he this year. Monte Carlo and that, wasn't he? Right. Yes, absolutely. And even he fought in Chicago here, and there wasn't a lot of fans interested in that fight. And he was just under the radar for a while. Now he's on the radar after the Canelo fight, but I'm with you. He can't come into this overconfident. He is facing a completely different animal in Zerda Ramirez. And uh, I'm with you and I'm with Thad that this is going to be a very competitive fight. If if Bivol does win big, let's say he wins 116, 112, 117, 111, something like that, I will be very, very impressed. I'll be very impressed. Then you would have to give him credit then because then you would go like that and say, well, and then that looks good on him and it looks good on Canelo because it's like, hey, look, but didn't only just lose to a light heavyweight, but he lost to the yeah, yeah. heavyweight. Come on, you know, the, the, then it stops being, you know I mean, because God, God forbid, if, if you're Canelo watching that tomorrow night and Zero knocks him out in two rounds, you're going to be like, oh, God, man, like that does not help us cause. Whereas, at least if Zerdo if Zerdo loses, but it's an amazing fight, Canelo can go, hey, well, come on, you know, you can give me a bit of a break now. A guy just taller than me, a lot longer than me, used to fighting at those heavier weights. It's happening there. So you can get off on my case. I, I think if I was Canelo, go for a Bivol rematch. Just go like that and say, well, you know what? Like, that's 175. Right. One back up there, you know. I mean, why why do it? Well, just so you can get more hate, Michael. Right. You know what I mean? You you just stay at one sixty eight, fight that. I completely agree. Ramirez, yeah. And then the thing is with Ramirez is too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just going to say the thing is at one sixty eight. To your point, uh, Caleb Plant and David Benavides that they haven't announced an actual date or the venue or anything, but they Mm. I guess have agreed to fight. Apparently, Caleb Plant has has announced it on his social media. So I will take him at his word that that fight's happening early next year. And if it does, if it does, that's the challenger for Canelo. And that's the fight I want to see at 168. Even if it's Caleb Plant again, I want to see that. If he beats David Benavidez, great. If Benavidez wins, even better for boxing. And um, just, just in right, terms of the yeah. marketability, I, that's what I want to see. So, so we might get undisputed. We might clean out light heavyweight and super middleweight within the next yeah, yeah. twelve months. That would be outstanding. Navidez, I mean, okay, he's a funny guy. You know, he's hilarious. That guy's scary, man. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he's <laughs> like, scary I, guy. I, I, I can't remember who's under. I can't remember who's undercard he was on. He was on. I forget. It may have been a Manny Pacquiao fight. I don't know, but it was a good five years ago. Uh, it might have been the Jay Leon love fight, actually. Uh, and then the, the British commentators on Sky Sports said after the fight had ended and back in the studio, like, get him now. He improves. Yeah. Now, at 23, while he's got the WBC or in, in and about that area, and chance you're going to have against him now because he's, the kind of body type he has, I don't think he's going to be struggling to make. He's not like a mountain of muscle, is he? No. Where he's coming into those weigh-ins. He's a fat days. kid that um, lost all the fat because he used to be a big fat oh, kid yeah. when he first went into the gym. He was uh, he, a super he heavyweight. Stop, you know yourself, man. 
but Michael Lee just doesn't stop punching. Yeah, he's got a motor. Doesn't stop. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, like, that that, that J. Leon love fight, I mean, okay, you know, oh, he stopped it. He didn't. What was going to happen? He was, he was teeing off on him. The fight. And I, and I think, and I might be in, I know a lot of people don't agree with this. If he starts getting Plant in trouble, I have the power to keep him off. Hmm. The power to keep him off. I think David gets him out of there in seven or eight. But I could be proven wrong. I'm wrong at the time. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how the fights go tomorrow, Michael. And I'll speak to you next week. All right? All right, brother. Have a good weekend. Well done again. All right? Okay. See you, my friend. Ciao. All right. All right. Uh, let's jump to Mindiolo really wants in. So we're going to get him. Then we got Nacho on deck. And we'll keep going from there. All right, guys? Let's jump to Michael Mindiola from California. What's up, Paisan? How you doing? What's up, Paisan? How's it going, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> it's going. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. I, I, I'll, I'll try to be brief. I, um, you know, I haven't called in in quite a few weeks. I've been listening every every show just about. But um, I, I just want to. And this is not this is not to shit on Thad because he seems like a great guy and he knows obviously the betting side of boxing, but. There's so many things that this guy says that are just flat out guys. They're just, um, their opinions. They're based not even loosely on facts. They're just not true. Um, first, when you're talking about who is, who is either of these guys beating their prime or who has Spence beating his prime, I thought Porter, Sean Porter was pretty much close to his prime when Spence beat him. Tough fight. I was at the fight. I think you were there too. When, um, Ugas was pretty much in his prime, it just came off the biggest win of his career, beating Manny Pacquiao. And then Danny Garcia, in my opinion, that was his prime at 147, even though I feel he was a better fighter at 140. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not to dive into too much of the Spence Crawford thing, but I will say this, though, and this, and this is not to be a uh, proponent or defender of the PBC or Al Heyman, but Dad made a comment about um, Al Heyman's, you know, he's a businessman and he's a dirty one, and <laughs> that's called boxing, man. I mean, I've seen the top-ranked contracts. I've seen PBC contracts, TGB contracts. I've looked at them all. I've looked at them all right directly in my in my hands as some of the fighters I'm working with reviewing these contracts, whether they be for a fight, whether they be for their first when they're first signing to a big promotional company or even a small promotional company like you know Iron Boy or or Del Sol Boxing or whoever. So, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to just come down on the guy, but for the rest of the MOB family, you really got to take uh, whatever dad says with a grain of salt because it's just it's just not factual, guys. It just it is it isn't what it is. Last week he made a comment about um, I think Heyman said they tell you who to fight in this and that and they give you a name and this you're gonna fight. It is not even like that at all, Mike. And, and I'm not sitting here to beat my chest and talk about my experience in boxing. I'm actively involved in the sport, and I, j- I just want the other fans out there to know the other guys that, that, that take their time to call into this show. It's not that guys. It's really not that at all. Um, fighters are not told who they're going to fight. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we, one of our fighters who were signed to, who was signed to PBC was given three names on who he wanted to fight. He's not told who he's going to fight. He's given three names and this, and this fighter's coming off of a loss. So, so, so you would think somebody coming off of a loss, Al Hamer would say, Hey, you're coming off of a loss or here. What you're going to fight this guy now. No, you're given the option, and you have the option to make the decision to fight that guy or not. So all boxing is a dirty business. 
all these guys are criminal, right? Whether it's Heyman or Bob Arum or, uh, you know, Don King in, in years past, all of them, you, you couldn't trust them with anything. You, you, you wouldn't want them to handle your, handle your finances, let's put it that way. So, and I know I said a lot there, but, and, and like I said, it, dad seems like a great guy and he has some good um, advice on um, gambling, but it's, he's, it's just not true what he's saying, guys. I personally um, was excited to see the Spence Crawford fight. And I will say this, guys like Lomachenko who just fought, what did he say? He, he, he said it, I think, even before the fight, even after the fight. He said, Devin Haney's the A-side. Whatever he says, whatever terms I'm willing to accept because I need those belts. Well, we all know Spence is the A-side. That's not even an opinion. In my opinion, he, he's much more than the A-side. He's like the A-plus side. And the same people that are saying that Terrence Crawford has all this clout and all this, you know, these skills or whatever that justifies him being on a more level playing field are the same guys that turn around and say that Lomachenko's overrated. Bud Crawford's claim to fame is he's a three-division world champion. Right? Well, mm-hmm. Lomachenko's a three-division world champion and did it in record time. So, let, once again, you've you got to be consistent. We have to be consistent as boxing fans and boxing personalities. We have to be consistent. I think Crawford is the, really the one that messes this whole thing up. And I'll get some more information on that. I'll talk to my, my contacts in TGB and also some of the fighters that I know that are currently signed with the TBC. And I'll find out the real story. And I'll tell you offline. Mike's not going to come here and air anybody else's very laundry. But I will tell you offline in addition to a few other things that, that uh, you know, in response to what that had said about Al Heyman. And Al Heyman, the reason why he ever even got involved in the boxing game, it's a, it's a whole nother conversation on another day. But it actually was, a, it actually was a, a pretty noble cause as to why he got involved in boxing in the first place. And it's guys like that or anybody else that's on here um, were actually involved in the, in, in, the, in the sport even a little bit, you would understand. Because the rumor mill, and I mean, people talk. People talk, and, and, people, and people definitely know, talk in this business. You no, know, but but let me let me say this, Mike. I I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, and, and we know some of the same contacts at, at these companies. Um, and I've looked at the contracts with lower level fighters. I haven't looked at you know like superstar fighters' contracts, obviously. But I've looked at a lot of guys that are prospects, mid level guys, old veterans. Mm-hmm. I've even uh, there's people I know who do uh, legal counsel and I've referred some people, you know, some fighters to these people and stuff like that. So I, I know exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about, but like you said, they're all kind of shady. They all do kind of shady things. The, the one thing I, I, I agree with that on, because I have direct evidence of this when Heyman did the whole PBC thing and he did the shift from golden boy um, you know, cause he was mm-hmm. working with Oscar and Schaefer and all, and then he moved everything. There was this mass exodus. He really was trying to do like a UFC thing. They were trying to do like a hostile yeah. takeover and it didn't work. It, 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 and there have been some negative repercussions from that specific to American boxing because he represents Heyman does the most American fighters. Can you agree with that? Or not? Absolutely, and okay. and there, and I don't know how much of that story you know, and how those fighters were able to get out of those contracts with Golden Boy, and and move over to PVC. Some of those contracts you know, weren't we even contracts. It was Oscar was asleep at the wheel with a lot of it. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, so, yeah. Schaefer was responsible for that. Yes, that dude. Schaefer, <laughs> and not so many words, 
stuck the dagger in Oscar. And, and I'm no fan of Oscar De La Hoya at all. Yeah. I think he was an amazing fighter and I respect him. And I've met him on a few occasions. He's come to the gym a few times, but from a personal level, I, I, I wouldn't piss on if he was on fire, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, you know, there, there's just there's just a lot of things that happen in this sport that I sit back and I watch and I listen to what people say and very rarely do I you know do I call in but I I just had to call in and 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 just kind of set the record straight on a couple things you know I'll tell you more about it offline because like I said there's there's so many things that you know I'm sure you you've shared with me and vice versa mm. that I don't really want to air here because that's not my job to sit here and just air, air a bunch of people's private business but you know the fighters that I've worked with and I currently mm. know and. And um, um, by, by the way, Munguia did buy the summit in, in uh, Big Bear. He bought he now, it outright. He's now the official huh? owner of that. That's awesome. He man. bought it outright. Yep. Yeah, one of our kids was up there the other day, training and running. So um, before he uh, before Jaime we got in Guadalajara. But anyways, um, so with that being said, um, my take on the fight this week, I think Bebo wins a close decision. I think Zero will have his moments, but um, I think Bebo's smart enough and he's got the movement in and out to stay out of real trouble. But we'll see. I mean, I could be proven wrong. He could get caught, you know, like, like Joe Smith caught him and, and he could yeah. get caught. You never know. Absolutely. Um, well, that, that's really all I had. And um, what else? I think that was it. That was it. Um, very disappointed in, in my boy, Jojo Diaz. I think that kid really needs to take a look at hard look in the mirror. Yeah. And like that, he did say one thing, right? He said he, he needs to fight out a different way. He's not a featherweight. There's no way he can make featherweight. But 130 is where I think he should fight. And he's just not big enough for these 135 guys. You know, he's got the same problem Loma does. He's just he's just undersized at that weight. At that weight. Completely position. agree. So enjoy the rest of your week. I'm not going to get to see. Um, I'm going to watch the fight tomorrow, but I'm going to miss my boy Chon Cepeda fighting in a couple weeks. I will be in in the motherland. I will be in Italy. Oh. Um, for a couple for a couple of weeks, my daughter's there now. She's been there. My oldest has been in Sicily for about a month now, and um, we're going to be flying out there Thanksgiving to spend some time with her. So, um, I'll bring you back a nice souvenir, man. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, man. Keep keep me updated with your with your travels over there, man. Send me some pictures, bro. I, I will, brother. All right, man. Yeah, Great we're call. Gonna, we're gonna take. Thanks, man. Have a good one. In 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 in. Cheers, and we'll be family. Have a great weekend. Thanks a lot, brother. There we go. Right, man, that was a great call. Great call. Um, Ahmed says, get Thad and Mindiola on the chat together and have a debate. Hey, maybe we could do that. <laughs> All right, we got some big super chats here. One for my man, Chris. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it, brother. Says, hey, Mike, God bless the greatest baby of all time, baby Jacqueline. This Crawford Spence drama is hilarious. Hopefully, it'll make fighters uh Force fights so they don't lose out on the big bag. Salute. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, and, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, going all the way back to Fad's call because he brought up Terrence Crawford. Uh, so I don't know if you guys saw this, but he went on Instagram Live and went on this diatribe about the negotiations between him and Spence, which is essentially him and Al Heyman's people because Spence really wasn't negotiating. Crawford was representing himself, and I don't think anyone would disagree with that, right? Because we know he left top rank last year. And Spence is not in a position where he's really representing himself. He has people represent him. So it was Crawford dealing with Spence's management. And so Crawford laid out his side of the story. And then Spence responded in a few tweets. 
Some of the tweets you could tell Errol wrote them. Some of the tweets you could tell he obviously did not write them. Somebody wrote those tweets for him or he copied and pasted it. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I follow Errol Spence and I know his rhythm and how he, he speaks and how he talks and how he tweets. And there's there's certain syntax he uses, structure, you know, sentence structure, and it completely changed with a couple of, of tweets. And it was just kind of funny to see where you you know you could tell an advisor stepped in and said, "Hey, before you send that, let's reword it" or something like that, right? Um, so I don't know whose side of the story to, to take. My general position is well, there's there's two things. I know for a fact, because I have been told by people close to the situation for years, Terrence Crawford is not easy to work with, okay? From a promotional standpoint, from a media standpoint, he is not an easy guy to work with. So there's that. But there's also a track record with a particular promotional outfit in the way they do business. And things get delayed they get pushed to the final hour, a lot of times past the final hour and past the due date. And Max Kellerman used to say, uh, I'm going to completely butcher the way he would word it, but he said that the boxing business used to be that fighters were manipulated for the benefit of the fans. Now there are outfits, and he was talking about PBC, even though he didn't say it out loud. This is exactly who he was talking about, trust me. Uh, I have plenty of good reason to say that. Um, but he he said, now it's the opposite. Now the fans are manipulated for the benefit of the fighters. And you do see that. It's one of the smarter things Max Kellerman's ever said, because he's said plenty of dumb things that I don't agree with. But that was genius. And he's totally on point when he says that. And that's what this situation ultimately is here. I put the majority of the blame on the promotion that has failed to get the negotiation done. That is PBC. I am not even talking about the two fighters. I'm not taking Spence's side or Crawford's side. I'm looking at which platform is negotiating this fight. It's PBC. They have failed to bring the fight, period. So it's on them, okay? And I would say the same damn thing if it was top rank. Last year, the whole debacle between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua you guys who watch the show, you remember me dissing top rank because I thought that was more on them because there was the, they were contractually obligated to fight Deontay Wilder again. I didn't need to see that fight for the third time. Some people wanted to see it, but the whole time they were talking about Anthony Joshua, right? Remember that? And they knew the whole time they had this, this thing going, this arbitration going on in court, and um, they completely dropped the ball. That was 100% on top rank. So I'm consistent on this. It's not me beating up on one platform over the other. But anyway, that's just the way I tend to see this situation. I kind of leave the fighters out of it in that regard. I do think ultimately both fighters want the fight. And I still think it will happen next spring. I really, really do think it will happen. Super chat from Anthony Santiago. Thank you so much, Ant. I appreciate it, brother. Says, what up, Mike and chat? Let's please not go in depth on the Crawford Spence BS. Oops, sorry, Ed. <laughs> I wish I read your super chat first. He said, I'm done with these two, LOL. Bivol UD tomorrow and moves to top five pound for pound. Then beats Better BF next year, will be number one pound for pound and make his claim as an all-time great in 2023. Wow. 
So Ant thinks very, very highly of Dimitri Bivol. That would be a hell of a run. I'll tell you guys now, if, if Bivol, he already beat Canelo, if he beats Zerto, and then he beats Gunnar Biev, and, and let's go with this. The, the Canelo fight was in Vegas, right? That was in America. Now he's going to fight Zerto in uh, UAE. If he beats him there and then fights, let's say, uh, Baturbiev in Canada. So three fights in a row against three top-level opponents um, and in three different countries. That is pound-for-pound pound type shit. So if he can do that, wow, we're talking about a very special fighter. All right, back to the phones we go. Let's talk to Nacho and get his take on this stuff. Nacho, what's up, my brother? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Uh, I haven't had a chance to say congratulations on uh, you and your uh, newborn. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. I do have a bone to pick with you, Mike. Uh oh, um, you're out here saying that uh, she was, uh, you know, uh, thirsty and she wanted to, uh, take a, <laughs> you know, enjoy a beer yesterday. <laughs> yes, I thought I thought uh, you were getting her. Uh, her road work done so she could prepare for her uh her <laughs> debut coming up now mike come uh, on all she, all she did was sleep <laughs> we went to the brewery we went to a brewery uh, in my neighborhood and uh me my wife and my sister had a, a like two beers and she just slept in her uh what is it called a stroller it was great man she didn't even know they yeah. put music and stuff she was cool we just sat outside so there was nobody around her you know we kept her away from the people yeah and um it was it was great man so she stays up all night oh, but she awesome. sleeps during the day so oh okay um so yeah let me just touch um on a couple things and because i know there's other people um so in regards to haney loma um Mike, to me, the biggest question about that fight is going to be, I know a lot of people are kind of dogging Loma because of the fact Ortiz looked a lot better than most people anticipated. I honestly think the key to that fight is going to be, can Haney make 135 without looking like a, a zombie? If he can't make 135 uh, without looking like a zombie, I think all the advantages swing into Loma's favor because I don't see him being able to go 12 rounds with Loma as far as Loma not being able to crank up the pace as the fight goes along. I think Haney's going to be in a, a lot of trouble if that ends up being the case. If he manages to make 35 safely and doesn't look like a zombie, then you have more of a realistic 50-50 fight. I think the question is, can Haney win the fight on the scale first before he actually wins the fight against uh, Loma in the ring? Um, and then um, in regards to the fight this weekend, Mike, um, I'm glad that at least somebody is finally putting on a fight instead of us arguing on Twitter about who said what and who yeah. didn't do what. Um, I'm glad that uh, Zerto and, and Bivol are going to get it on. Um, I honestly think, Mike, there is no way that if I'm on Zerto's team, I say that we try to box with Bivol. I think their game plan has to be go full throttle and just go after the guy because you have to make him uncomfortable. You cannot allow him to just stand there and throw the one-two all night and then not fear anything coming back. If I'm on Zerto's team, I say we just go after him, put a, a bunch of pressure on him, and see how he reacts as far as being able to deal with the size and the strength and see if uh, Zerto can get him uh, to the body 
and start to weaken those legs. Um, and then as the fight goes along, eventually he starts to turn the tide in his favor. I honestly see this fight as kind of like the first Cotto Margarito fight, Mike, where Bivol is Cotto and Zerto has to play the Margarito role. And the only way Zerto can win is if he, the only way Zerto can win is if he plays the Margarito role to the T. He's going to have to eat some shots to get inside. But then eventually, if he can get to the body and start to break uh, B-ball down as the fight goes along, I think he can stop him late in the fight. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that's what's going to happen. I think Zerto's going to go in there knowing that this is his showcase fight. If he really wants to become a name, he's going to have to do it against B-ball tomorrow night. And I really think he's going to do it. So I'm picking Zerto to win that fight. Probably, uh, I'd say it's going to be a late stoppage, probably like 10 or 11. Wow. Um, and then uh, I just kind of wanted to bring up some news that I heard and just kind of get your reaction to it. Um, so they made the fight between um, Jermaine Franklin against Dillian White in a couple weeks. What do you think about that fight? Huh. I got to take white in that. Um, I just haven't been that impressed by Franklin lately. Um, I'm trying to think what, what fight did he have lately where he did not look, was it Rydell Booker when he fought Rydell Booker? No, uh, he fought Jerry Forrest. Was it Jerry Forrest? Pull him up. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, there's, <sighs> Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. He barely got by Jerry Forrest. He, oh, so it was Rydell Booker. Yeah. Um, he's, I don't know what to think about him, dude. I just, is, do you know where they're going to do that fight? Oh, it is in Wembley, huh? They're doing that fight in Wembley. Yeah. It's in, it's in England. Yeah. I just, I look at Franklin's resume and I don't know, dude. He, he's up and down in weight. That last fight, he was 277. The fight before that, he was 231. And, and white still has power experience. Um, I don't know, dude, how do you see that? I, I got a favor white. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. I, because, uh, Franklin is just such a wild card that Mm -hmm. you don't know what, what he's going to come into the ring at. If he comes anywhere near 231 again, I think you'd have to give him a legitimate shot to win that fight. But if he's going to be 250 plus, then yeah, I think. All the advantages go to white. Mm-hmm. I, I would totally agree with you on that. And then the other one that I uh, that was made, and it's on the undercard of Pedraza and Teal, was Jerry Forrest against uh, Jared Anderson. What do you think of that matchup? I like that a lot. I like that because Jerry is a guy that um, he always gives a good effort. I know there's that one time, like, it didn't who did he walk out of the ring against? Was it that wasn't Jerry? Was it? I'm thinking this. No, I'm thinking this. No, else. that was, are you talking about a Jagba? Yeah, no, that was that guy Curtis Harper. Yeah, that was Curtis the Hurt Harper. That's right. Yeah, okay. Jerry yeah. Forrest, man, he's got good experience. Been in there with some top guys. Um, I think that he is perfect for Jared Anderson. Like a little step up for him here. I like that fight a lot. Mm, okay, and then. Uh... The uh, I just wanted to touch on it because I don't know if anybody has brought it up. The Tuesday card in Japan, Mike. Um, seeing uh, uh, Masahiro Takahani, I mean, uh, um, Nakatani, yeah, seeing Nakatani, 
seen Nakatani get beat down by um, that kid, Yoshiro, uh, was really eye-opening. I thought Nakatani was going to, you know, beat him. I thought he would um, figure out a way to outbox the kid and beat him. But, man, Yoshiro went in there and took him out, and he did it impressively. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to see that fight. I think the kid, if they're smart, they don't keep him in Japan. I think he could be a legit threat to a lot of guys at 47 if if they want to make um, him into a, a real name. Right now, he looks like he's popular in Japan, but I think that kid could legitimately be a, a contender, um, you know, on the world level if they if they get him the right fights. Because I liked what I saw from him. I liked the skills and I liked the uh, the effort that he gave against Nakatani and taking him out. I think he could be a legit threat at 35 if they if they move him correctly. And then um, with uh, uh, the other kid, um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name right now. The 112 pounder that fought uh, Rodriguez. Um, that fought Bam. Jeez, uh, no, no, no. He fought um, uh, Francisco Rodriguez, uh, a veteran contender from Mexico. Um, he beat him, but the kid is um, the kid is a, a big 112 pounder. Well, he was just mandated as the the mandatory shot at the winner of Franco Ioka. They just announced that today, and that kid's huge for the weight class. He's like five seven, and he looks like he could be like a 122 pounder. He's huge for the weight class, but um, I'm blanking on his name right now. I'm sorry, like. But I, I think that would be a really good fight if they, if he does get a, a shot at um, at the winner of that fight um, after that fight happens next month. Um, I, I'm just I'm blanking on his name, <laughs> but he's a really good fighter. His name's I know his first name's uh, Junto, but I, I'm just oh Junto Nakatani. Junto Nakatani. There you go, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There you go. So yeah, he's going to be lined up to fight. Mandated. Uh, we said Ioka, the winner of Ioka, uh, Franco. Damn. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Any combination yeah, of those three, that, sign that me be, up, man. Yeah, for sure. I think that that would be a legit fight for the winner to uh, whoever takes him on next. If if he is the 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 next guy that goes on, and then um, the uh, with the Showtime card, Mike. I'm having trouble finding out who this guy is that David Morrell is fighting. Yeah. I mean, he looks the part kind of like um, like Janabek, but do you know anything about him? Like, I've never I seen really the don't. guy before. No, I really don't. His um, Okay. He, he didn't have any big-time accomplishments in the amateurs, but he's fought top guys. He's been in there with experienced guys. He just seems to have come up short when he steps up. So I'm expecting mm-hmm. Morel to win, but you know Thad was on the chat earlier. He said he's pretty familiar with him, and he expects him to give uh, Morel a tough fight. So we'll see. Okay, and then uh, and then uh, in regards to that card, um, the uh, the I was kind of curious. I don't know if you heard who he's taking on. Jason Rosario was on the undercard, and he was supposed to fight that Yoeldis. Um, Gomez dude, but then he pulled out Gomez did with a hand injury a couple weeks ago. Did have they announced who his opponent is by any chance? Rosario is fighting Brian Mendoza. 
Ah, okay. Ah, uh, uh, well, then he should win. Albuquerque. That's more of a showcase fight. Yeah. yeah. I've seen Mendoza. He's okay, but he's not He's not on Rosario's level. I he's think been, Rosario Mendoza's been in a couple of those armory cards there in Minneapolis. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, But he's not. But he hasn't beaten anybody of note. He's just a right. – he's kind of like a tough, you know, spoiler. So that's kind of – He's just there to give Rosario rounds at this point, I think. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I was just wondering because I was like, Rosario said he was still fighting, but then I'm like, your opponent dropped out. So who the hell's a replacement? Well, at least now I know who it is. All right, Mike. That was my call. I'm sure you got other people waiting. All right. Thanks a lot, Nacho. Have a good weekend, man. All right, man. Yeah. You too. All right. There he goes. And a couple quick super chats. BK Ron, <clears throat> 93 with the super chat. Thank you so much. Jack Alter with the super chat. Thank you, Jack. He says, my man, Mikey, just worked out. Now he on the phones. <clears throat> We're going to get your call, brother. But I'm going to jump to Chad from Canada because he's paying for his call. So I'm going to jump to him real quick. And then I promise I'll get to these other calls. Chad from Canada. What's up, brother? How you doing? Hey. 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 Yeah, I'm from Canada. <laughs> how, are you? how are you, man? I'm tired. Other than that, I'm good. Yeah. <clears throat> good, good. Um, yeah, I'm glad to see that you're right back into the swing of it with the show. I got to be honest. I thought we might lose you for a few weeks. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <clears throat> uh, you're doing good. Anyways, I'll be quick. Um, you know, you, you mentioned about the uh, Crawford IG live. And um, I just wanted to say after that went up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to an extent, I started seeing a lot of people posting that, you know, they think that Crawford is scared or they think that Errol Spence is scared. I mean, enough comments to where I was kind of concerned, like, is this really what people think? I mean, I just want to address anybody that thinks these guys are afraid to get in the ring or afraid of an opponent don't understand really what these boxers are about they're getting caught up in hype and all this business stuff and and all this fight details and losing sight of like the best thing about boxing right now maybe the only good thing is the fighters themselves and you know don't get caught up in what leads them to make their decisions or what's being decided for them when it's business or whatever else um, you know, with the small exception of some ducking or here or there, these guys, like, you think Crawford is scared or spent of any other fighter? Come on, man. There's none of these guys are at this point and are scared. I mean, that those people got weeded out way before the professional ranks. So, I mean, to anybody that's actually holding that belief, you got to stop with that, man. Just stop. It is the most reckless sounding thing ever, you know? And I got to ask these people, like, have you ever been to a live fight? Do you know anyone that is a boxer? Have, have you been in a gym and spent any time around these guys? These guys have warrior spirits. They want to fight the best. They want to be challenged. They want to use their skills to challenge. And, uh, I just, I was just surprised at how many people are are talking like that. People who have never sparred around in their life, probably too, right? Just like so, I, I don't like when I, people call fighters bums 
and, and tomato oh, cans and stuff. Okay. It's like, man, you really should right. talk like that, you know? <clears throat> that's the bigger picture that comes out of this thing. And that's the whole thing that bothers me. Like, sure, you're allowed to be frustrated because fights aren't getting made. We all are. Um, you're allowed to, you don't like a, a fighter's style or you're not entertained by a fighter. That's all fair. But when you start, yeah, like just calling out guys' bums. And like I said earlier, they're, they're the only thing that's good about the sport right now. And I feel like fans just take all that for granted when they talk like that. You know, um, and that's all I really wanted to say, Mike. I'll, uh, I'll let you take somebody else, bro. All right, Chad. Have a good weekend, man. Yeah, you too, Mike. Bye. All right, Chad. Yeah, and to, to Chad's point, listen, um, fighters are not scared to fight. If you guys want to see scared fighters, if you've been around the amateurs, you'll see it. Um, even with experienced amateurs, you will see certain fights where you can tell a guy is scared. But when you get to the highest level of the professional game, these dudes ain't scared. Now, some of them may be scared to lose an endorsement or the potential of a big fight down the road if they lose their O, if they take an L. Um, some of them may be scared of that sort of thing, of like the politics or something affecting their bottom line or something like that. But they're not scared to physically fight. That's what they do. All that stuff kind of gets ironed out in the amateurs. If you're going to like a national tournament, if you're going to Olympic qualifiers and, and things like that, international tournaments, you're not scared to fight. Certainly not. So, so any guy that's competed at that level alone is not scared to fight. And then in the pros, yeah, I've seen scared. We've all seen scared fighters at the lower level, right? We've seen um, prospects in there, blue chip prospects against the guy that they just find off the street. Someone like me that they throw in there with this guy. And you can tell dude scared, but at the highest level, these guys aren't afraid to fight. They're afraid sometimes from a business sense, you know, so, so maybe it's the way that word is used. Uh, but I, I tend to agree with Chad. These guys are not afraid to actually fight each other. Um, it's the business stuff that gets in the way. And that can cause different types of fear. And it's up to the boxers management to mitigate all that risk and, and uh, take care of their fighter. Some are better than others at that, but unfortunately, sometimes um, the way some of those entities go about business hurts the sport. It hurts the fans. All right, let's jump back to the phones. Uh, we got uh, 262 on the line. What's up? Hey, Mikey, it's Johnny Boy. How you Johnny doing, Boy. I, I thought that might be you. What's up, Paisan? How you doing, man? How you doing, Paisan? Congratulations on the baby. And Thank you so much, oh, man. Grazie mille. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah, glad the house and everything's coming along well and all that stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, as far as the fucking, excuse my language. Nah, go ahead and swear, the, man. Fuck it. It's Friday. <laughs> all right. All right. Here, 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 yeah, I try to watch it when I'm on yours, you know, because I got some professional shit going on. It's all, okay. it's all good, man. But, uh, it's all good. Uh, fuck, fucking, I, I, dude, I'm just so here. Quit, quit calling in and talking about Crawford and Spence for fuck's sake. For Christ's <laughs> sake, we've been talking about 
We, we've been talking about the fucking thing for four years. It still ain't happened. And I'm a fan of both of them guys. I like Spence. I, I used to not like Spence, but I grew to like him. I've always been a Crawford fan. They ain't fucking fighting. Let it go. Start talking about some other shit. We got a great fight. We got a great fucking fight tomorrow. And everybody's calling and talking about Spence and Crawford, a fight that should have happened four fucking years ago. And you guys are so... You know, I mean, it, it, it just for, for talk about Chocolatito Estrada. That's another great fucking fight coming up. For great fucking fate. fight. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah, you know, but I don't want to get into a whole thing with that. But, you know, <laughs> it's just let it go. If it, it if it happens, great. If not, fuck it. You know, I've given up hope on that fucking thing. And, and but, <laughs> but as far as that. Uh, as far as fucking uh, Zerto and Bivol goes, I think it's going to be a damn good fight. I even took, I told him, you'll love this. I told him, because I work 10 hour shifts on Saturdays, Mikey. And I fucking, I fucking told him, I said, hey, I got uh, some things to take care of at about uh, one thirty tomorrow afternoon. So I'm going to have to uh, boogie out of here a little. <laughs> a That's little awesome, bit early. Man. I'm watching the. I got the fuck out yeah, of here a little early. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, because you're Central yeah, time, so the card starts for you like one thirty. Main event probably about four four thirty for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I said uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to uh, buggy out of here about uh, you know one 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 thirty. I'll come in for seven hours or something. Then we're gonna call it a day. <laughs> but uh, I said that. That's how hyped up I am for it. I, I was surprised that, uh, but it's going to be a great fight. I think Bavol gets them on points. They were replaying a bunch of uh, Zerto fights on with the, whatever the Spanish Fox Deportes the the last few nights. I was rewatching it and rewatching quite a few of his more recent fights, and I think Bavol's going to. I speed kills. You know, mm. that's that's all I got to say. I think speed. I think the speed and the fluidity and the fucking footwork and everything. I think he's. I think he's just gonna dice him. I, I think before Zerto will have his moments, but I think it's gonna be a pretty decisive points decision for him. To be honest with you, that's that's the way I. That's yeah. like that's like my gut feel. You know what I'm saying? Is that like you said, speed kills, straighter punches, and. Bivol has yeah. fought the better fucking fighters. If you just look at the resume, he's fought the tougher guys. This should be his moment, you know, but I do think Zerto well, will have his moments, like you said. And, and, yeah. And well, and, and, I mean, is, is Zerto even fought anybody as good as Pascal? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing is, though, you can't look at the Canelo fight and judge it off of that because it's a completely different stylistic matchup. One of them guys is a five foot eight roided up fucking ginger <laughs> and the other guy's uh <laughs> and the other guy's a fucking six foot the other guy's a six foot fucking three gorilla that's gotta drop forty pounds, you know. That's a lefty and you know, it's just yeah. a, it's just completely different styles. So and that's another thing I think we need to give Devol credit for too, is because he is fighting a lot of different styles, especially if he ends up fighting the Kirby on top of that, you know, later yeah. later down the line. Absolutely. Next year or those are 
those are three. I mean, those are three completely different freaking styles with Canelo, Zerto, Viterbia. Like that's another. That's another thing too. And I mean, Lomachenko. Not maybe not so much recently, but like when he was at his peak, he was another guy that could just freaking. It didn't matter what style you had because he had seen it all. Right. You know, he could he he could he could adapt to it. So, I think Bavol on points. I. I uh, what else is going on over there? Morrell, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know much about the kid. He's fighting like the last guy that called in, but uh, you know. And then maybe the, the chicks will have have a good little have a good little freaking fight there on the uh, on the undercard there. And who who else is on that card? Rackamoff. Rackamoff, yeah, yeah, Rackamoff. See, I don't know much about the kid. He's fighting. Is the kid he's fighting any good? Not really. I think that's a showcase fight for Rackamoff, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That's a showcase, man. He's going to win that fight. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured. I was like, who the fuck? You know, but yeah. So it's decent, solid card with a good main event. But I'm looking forward to it. I hope everybody else is looking forward to it, too. And I know you got other guys on the line. But uh, I'll be sure to call in soon again, brother. Like I say, hey, man, good. call in anytime, oh, brother. Good shit, man. Good shit. Hey, dude, real quick before I go, when I was in the can over summer, Mike, and I got fucking word back that uh, the Vol beat Canelo. Okay, dude, you remember on Analyze This when De Niro's jumping on the fucking jail tables and shit like <laughs> yeah. that? That, yeah. that was that is singing fucking West Side Story. That was me <laughs> yeah. in jail when I got the fuck. That, that was that, that was me after I got word for my brother that he beat him. I was like, that's oh, fucking awesome, that's man. Awesome. Oh, that's outstanding. All right, brother. Have a good one. Congrats to the family. Take care, bro. You too, man. Thank you so much, Johnny. No Ciao. problem, buddy. There you go. Oh, man, that was a great fucking call. <clears throat> man, God damn. I haven't heard from Johnny in a while. Johnny's a funny fucking guy, man. Oh, boy. Sam. In the chat with the super chat. Thank you, Sam. He says, Zerto will gas late. Bivol will not. Bivol wins. I tend to agree, man. I tend to agree, especially if Zerto comes out the way Nacho said and tries to just like muscle uh, Bivol and, and outwork him, which I think is what he's going to try to do. Um, if Bivol can negate all that and use his footwork and whatnot, I, I think Zerto will kind of tire late, just kind of wear down. And that's what I think Bivol will really start to shine. I actually think it wouldn't surprise me if Zerto is up after three or four rounds, or if it's like even fight four rounds in, or even halfway through. It would not surprise me. But it's those middle rounds going into the late rounds where I think the class, the experience, and the straighter punches will start to show for Bivol. The only thing that could really fuck that up is if there's a cut. If there's a headbutt, a cut, uh, that could get in the way. That could be an issue. <clears throat> All right, we got a super chat also from BK Ron93. Thank you so much. He said, Mike, fantasy matchup off of today's topic. Aaron Pryor versus Sugar Ray Leonard. Who wins and how, in your opinion? Simplify, brother. Always to your continued success in family as well. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know what, dude? <sighs> I got to go with Leonard and I got to go with Leonard pretty decisively in that. And I'll tell you why, dude, size, 
Ray Leonard's just a taller, longer guy. He, he's got to be three or four inches taller than Aaron Pryor was. And the power that Pryor had at like 35 and, of course, 140, he's not going to carry that at 147 when he fights Sugar Ray Leonard there. Um, I think Leonard could do everything Pryor could do but better. And at 47, Pryor's just not going to have the power that he did in those lower weights. So I gotta go with Leonard, and it would go to it would go to decision, but I think it'd be like 117, 111 around there. I know my answer might may not be popular, but that's just the way I would see that matchup. Definitely. Okay. Uh I think we're caught up. Let's go to the phones. We got Jack. Jack on the line. What's up, Jack? How you doing, brother? Hey man, it's been forever, bro. It's been yeah. like three weeks. It's been crazy. But, uh, man, how am I supposed to, like, top that call? Like, that was great. But, um, <laughs> dude, you missed – you really did miss some hilarious comments. So you were talking about, like, scared fighters, and I was reading some of the comments, and uh, I assume most uh, boxing fans are guys. So I just read this, this dude's comment. It turned out to be a girl. She said, uh, "My uh, we were saying how, oh, fighters aren't scared, scared. And then she said, my ex was scared, L- uh, LBO. And she was referring to her ex being a pro boxer. <laughs> I thought she meant, yeah, my ex was scared oh, before shit. I beat her ass. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know what she was talking I didn't know what she was talking about. Jack, you're always getting <laughs> in trouble in the chat, man. Look at this. Well, oh, Sarah, yeah, no, Sarah's ex is a boxer. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. No, she thought it was funny. She thought it was funny. No, no, no. I know Sarah's like Johnny- cool. You could, you could joke with Sarah. I'm just saying. Uh, that's funny, man. Yeah, yeah I totally but, uh, missed that. You already know. My, yeah, my favorite Johnny Boy thing is talking about Christian Shields. He's like, a, yeah, I hope I hope she drinks gallons of that uh, clean flit water that they got over oh, there. Jesus. Johnny Boy's <laughs> yeah, channel but, uh, is awesome because Johnny Boy ain't trying to be media. So he just lets it rip as a fan. And so he could just state his opinions, whether you agree with them or not. And he could, he just, he's a funny guy, man. So yeah, his videos are hilarious. Yeah, but uh, dude, congratulations on the baby, Jacqueline Olivia Montero. Dude, what a great name! Like, Thank honestly, you. I, and I'm not saying that just, I'm not saying that just because Jack's in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. a good name. It's, it sounds nice. Um, and you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like when babies are newborn. A lot of them are kind of ugly, but dude, that's the cutie you got. You know what I mean? Dude, like I know. Babies. You're so right. I, we were uh, saying that in the hospital, and a couple of the nurses like came up to us and like, I, you know, we tell everyone that their baby's cute, but like your baby really is cute. Like she's really, really cute. And I was like, yes, because you're right. A lot of babies are fucking ugly, but you can't say that. But our baby's cute. And yes, their I'm baby? biased, but she's cute. Yeah. You already know her with your Gucci, but um, yeah. shit, man. Um, what was I about to say? Oh, yeah. So last time I wasn't able to um, talk about Plant versus uh, Plant versus Durrell. And I was going to say, because you know Stephen Breadman Edwards, right? Yeah. Great guy. Uh, yeah, Caleb's new trainer. I don't know if you remember, but I was saying, hey, man, I know you, you said that Caleb Plant doesn't punch so hard, but I was saying to everyone before, Plant can punch. If Plant like tries, he can punch. And you were saying, nah, man, he doesn't hit hard. And Stephen Bredman Edwards said when he was hitting Mitch with him, he, I don't know if you heard this, he was like, damn, man, you actually have a lot of pop when you really try. 
And Plant said to him, I don't really try. I try to hit guys with hard shots, but I don't really try to knock them out, knock them out. And I'm 99% sure Plant's left-handed just because the way he has so much success with his left. And, bro, if you're going to slap somebody, you're going to do it with your what hand you're natural with. And he slapped Canelo. Remember, he slapped him with his left hand. I just think he's definitely left-handed. But, bro, if he catches anyone with that left hook, like with the new style and clean, bro, That's he can knock anyone hook. out. I'm dead ass. Yeah, and you know what, Jack? You're, you're Bro, right. You. When he sits down on his shots, he has enough pop to get respect for sure. I agree. No, and you were saying how uh, I was so pissed one day because you were like, a, was I surprised Plant slept Darrell? I wasn't. And I'm like, shut the no, fuck up. I wasn't, no one expected. I wasn't shocked. Darrell shot the shit. Was I surprised? Yes. I was surprised because I, I thought I'd go the distance. But was I shocked? No, dude. Darrell's like 55. But, I mean, it was it was right. a great he knockout. But, oh. you know, I mean, it's not like he knocked out. Now, if he does that to Benavidez, okay, that's different. That's, then I'd be shocked. You know what I'm saying? That's what I want to talk about next. Okay. Dude, that fight, I'm 99. That, that fight's done. That, a, that fight is officially signed. Because if both guys say it's signed, yeah. Like then it's most likely signed. Yeah. Am I right? Because both guys were saying it's signed. They both have yeah. it on their social media. I think the fight's done. Yeah. Dude, what a fucking fight. That's gonna and you know what? I love Benavidez and I love Plant. Like I've met Benavidez, but Plant, bro, Plant's a dog. And with the new with this new trainer, it's kind of gonna be like Tyson Fury with the the Emmanuel Stewart's uh, nephew, Sugar Hill Stewart. Bro, it's going to be a fun 50-50 fight, in my opinion, bro. If Plant can keep Benavidez off, and he can if he really lands some really good shots, bro, it'll be fun. I don't know. I assume you're going to be taking Benavidez, but, bro, Plant's going to give him that work, and he could he could win. Now, listen, I, I totally agree with you. I, I do think that it's – like, if you put a gun to my head, right now – now, my opinion might change, but right now I'll pick Benavidez. But I'm with you, dog, that it's 55-45. It's close. It's close. Plant, he, he surprised almost everyone I've talked to, and he surprised you. Well, I'm not like you said, not shocked against Canelo. The the way he was able to survive so long and have so much success, dude. Even I was surprised. I thought like it'd be like shorter than the Saunders fight, bro. He was giving Canelo that work for a few rounds. Every round was a competitive. Canelo probably won like uh, seven rounds. Plant probably won three or four. But bro, um, yeah, he was giving Canelo work and. Like excluding Golovkin, a one sixty eight like Saunders, Callum Smith, he did much better than those other guys. But yeah, you're um, right. You're right. Yeah, and we'll, yeah, I gotta go into a uh, Nacho. So uh, my name is Nacho, and I picked Zerto by stopping. <laughs> Bro, how? <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. That's such a goofy pick. How are you gonna pick Zerto by stoppage? That's like picking Paula. No, 